Good evening and welcome to the Upper Marion Township Board of Supervisors business meeting. It is July 13th, 2023 and the time now is 7:12. Please rise and join me for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I always appreciate seeing a packed house, so thank you to everyone for coming out this evening. And we have some special things um, coming our way in a few minutes. Um, I would like to begin roll call, starting to my right. Greg Phillips. Bill Genoway. Tina Garzillo. Carol Kenny. Greg Wax. Tony Hamaday, Township Manager. John Walker from Solicitor's Office. Leanna Kalubriel, Township Engineer. The next item on the agenda is the meeting minute approval for March 4th, 2023 for zoning workshop, May 4th, 2023 workshop, May 11th, 2023 business meeting, and June 1st, 2023 workshop. May I entertain a motion? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes five to zero to approve the meeting minutes. Uh, the next item on the agenda is chairman's comments, and I do have a few comments I'd like to make, and bear with me for a moment, i pull this up. Um, I thought that this was fitting for this evening under the umbrella of public safety to mention three of our command staff who have graduated from some higher education executive leadership schools um, pertaining to their careers. So um, the three uh, police command staff that I would like to recognize for their academic achievements. The first one is Captain Jeremy Johnson, graduated from Northwest, Northwestern University School of Police Staff and Command, Class 506. In April 2022, Captain Jeremy Johnson graduated from Northwestern University School of Police Staff and Command. The school combines academic principles with practical applications and focuses on a range of critical management and leadership areas, including policies, media relations, oh, what happened here? organizational behavior, budgeting and resource allocation, human resources, and contemporary policing strategies. Less than 1% of police executives have successfully completed this program, which spans several months. The next one I want to, would like to highlight is Lieutenant Brendan Brazunas, graduated from the Southern Police Institute, Session 148, in November 2022. Lieutenant Brendan Brazunas graduated from the University of, of Louisville Southern, Southern Police um, Institute as a member of the 148th session of the Administrative Officers course. The course was a 12-week in-residence accredited graduate-level education program. This comprehensive executive development program provides instruction in law enforcement issues, diagnostic problem solving, and administrative law. The members of the 148th session of the AOC comprised 38 police executives from 22 states. Um, the last one I want to mention is a recent uh, graduation, and this is for Lieutenant Jeffrey Maurer. He graduated from the FBI National Academy session 286. Lieutenant Jeffrey Maurer recently graduated as a member of the 286th session of the FBI National Academy. This 10-week course took place at the FBI National Academy in Quantico, Virginia. Nationally, fewer than 1% of officers have the opportunity to attend the program. Internationally known for its academic excellence, the National Academy offers advanced communication, leadership, and fitness training. Participants must have proven records as professionals within their agencies to attend. 
The 286th session consisted of 238 law enforcement officers from 47 states and the District of Columbia. And the last one thing I want to mention, this isn't one of the four, but our own police chief, and it just left my screen. Why did it do that to me? Chief Nolan, you also graduated from the FBI Academy, and what was, what year, I mean, what class was that? Was, okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> for some reason, I'm having glitches with my screen tonight, so I apologize for that, but yeah, so our own police chief also finished at the, uh, the FBI Academy. Uh, the other item I'd like to mention is this is this is sad news. We had a two uh, we had two recent deaths uh, within our community, two significant individuals that we have lost. Um, the first one is uh, Reverend Martin um, Choppy from the uh, Mother of Divine Providence Parish, and former Supervisor Edward Wilkes. Um, both of these fine men will be dearly missed by friends, family, and our community. Father Choppy passed away on June 26th and was born on September 20. 28, 1956 in Hatboro, Pennsylvania, so he's a local guy. And he was an, in, ordained in 1981, and then in 2010, he was appointed pastor of the King of Prussia, Mother of Divine Providence Parish. And Edward Wilkes passed away peacefully on June 21st with his loving family by his side at the age of 76. He was a member of the United States Air Force, and a celebration of life was held at the KOP VFW and included a military honor ceremony. Edward Wilkes served as an Upper Marion Township Supervisor for six years, and I believe three of those years he served as Chair of Supervisors as well. So these two gentlemen will be greatly missed in our community and um, just want us to remember them. Uh, that's the end of my Chairman's comments. Uh, the next item on the agenda is Citizen Board vacancies. We still have a few vacancies on our Citizen Boards. Um, compel people to, to uh, come in, become involved in the community, join one of our citizen boards. The first one with a vacancy is the Community Center Advisory Board for a student member. And we have one of our student members for another advisory board that's here tonight, and she has been such an asset to, um, to uh, the citizen board. Jocelyn Bilker is here uh, representing EAC. Thanks for being here, Jocelyn. Um, the Economic and Community Development Committee has one vacancy. The Environmental Advisory Council has one vacancy. Human Relations Commission, two alternate, alternate vacancies. Public Safety Citizen Advisory Board, one vacancy. Upper Marion Foundation Subcommittee, one vacancy. And the Upper Marion Historical Commission has three vacancies. So anyone who uh, would like to be involved with history in uh, our township, uh, collecting artifacts, et cetera, I don't know if um, Supervisor Phillips would like to make a, a little plug for the commission or not, but. Um, needing a representation in that commission? Yeah, we, we, we have some openings, and it is really important to uh, our community. If you uh, notice, I'm not wearing suit and tie like my fellow uh, board members. I'm actually wearing the tricentennial uh, shirts that we all got uh, for the, celebrating the 300th anniversary of Upper Marion. We're a historic community. We're a, a, a long community with long roots, very, very... Uh, Many families that have, have their roots in Upper Marion. Uh, there are a number of uh, structures in the township that are historic. Um, and we have Valley Forge National Park. I mean, what more can you ask for? It's dynamic, it's a good group, and we really could use uh, not only regular members, but we do have an opening for a student member as well. So I would ask if you're interested, the application's on the website, and we'd love to ha have you on the board. Thank you, Madam Chair. Oh. 
And I believe I'll turn the floor to um, Supervisor Kenny. She has some comments. Okay, I'd like to add one additional comment to what uh, Supervisor Phillips said. Um, 20, in 1976, we celebrated the bicentennial of the U.S., and in 2026, we will celebrate the 250th anniversary of the founding of the United States. So um, I lived here, and my firstborn was born, born that year, and we always refer to her as our bicentennial baby. Um, but in 2026, I'm, I'm sure we will have some planning and some events to have happen in terms of the 250th anniversary of the United States. So that's a big reason to get involved with the Upper Merion Historical Commission. So that's all I'll add. Thank you. And now we'll move along to the, um, the business items on the agenda. Item 7A, the swearing in of Fire Captain Ryan Sweeney and Captain Michael Lockhart by Judge Patrick Krause. And I see that Chief Johnson is at the podium and I'll turn the floor to him. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, uh, Chairperson Garzillo, members of the board, Mr. Hamaday, and our citizens. Uh, tonight we are here uh, to celebrate and hold the formal swearing in of our two new fire captains. After a recent resignation of a fire supervisor in March, along with the soon departure of another fire supervisor at the end of this month, we are faced with two fire captain vacancies. After advertising the position, we received cover letters and resumes from three qualified firefighter EMTs. We held interviews. After a difficult selection process, we're here tonight to swear in our newly promoted members of the Upper Marion Township Fire and EMS Department to the rank of captain. Our first uh, captain promotion is Ryan Sweeney. He's been a member of the Upper Marion Township Fire and EMS from November 2018 to present. He has served in many leadership roles in numerous Delaware County fire companies. He has an associate's degree in emergency management and planning. He is certified to the fire officer two level. Ryan has an important role in our apparatus and training committees. Ryan has joined tonight in the audience uh, with his parents, Mark and Jean. Uh, at the appropriate time, Jean will come, his mom, Jean, will come forward uh, for the badge pinning. Um, it's important to note that uh, Ryan's father, Mark, he spent over three decades in Havertown as a chief officer, so maybe leadership's in Ryan's DNA. At this time, I'd like to call up uh, firefighter Michael Lockhart, our next promoter, to captain. Michael has also been a member of Upper Marion Township Fire and EMS from November 2018 to present. He's attended many arson investigation classes. He holds a bachelor's degree in business administration. He is certified to the fire officer one level. Michael's fire inspection skills help Upper Marion Township immensely when interacting with building managers and apartment maintenance supervisors. Michael displays high professionalism and is a very customer-oriented person, an important trait of a company officer. Mike is joined in the audience with, by his uh, father, Richard, and his mother, Kathy, and his fiancee, Jenna. Jenna will come forward at the appropriate time for the badge pinning. Ironically, I'd like to note that uh, Michael's father, Richard, is also a chief officer in neighboring Norristown for over three decades. So maybe we have leadership in his DNA as well. At this time, I'd like to call Judge Krause forward for the formal oath swearing in.
solemnly swear or affirm? That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America, the Constitution of the United States of America, and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, together with the laws and ordinances of Upper Marion Township, together with the laws and ordinances of Upper Marion Township, Pennsylvania. And I will discharge my duties. And I will discharge my duties as fire captain of Upper Marion Township, as fire captain of Upper Marion Township. With fidelity. With fidelity. With fidelity. And without consideration. And without, without consideration. To a person's race, color, sex. To a person's race, color, sex. Religious creed. Religious creed. Sexual orientation. Sexual orientation. Age. Age. National origin. National origin. Ancestry. Ancestry. Handicap or disability. Handicap or disability. Congratulations, Captain Sweeney. Thank you. Congratulations, Captain Long. Thank you, sir. Best of luck. Chairperson Garzillo and members of the board, I'd just like to thank you for the opportunity to have the promotional ceremony tonight, and thank you again for all of your support throughout the year. Thank you. Everyone is welcome to stay for the, for the remainder of the business meeting. I'll allow a few moments to... Um, that you clear out if you like. Those are always very heartwarming ceremonies and uh, appreciate uh, what our public service does for our community. Uh, the next item on our agenda is the proclamation for the Park and Recreation Professionals Day. Um, July is Park and Recreation Month and I see our Director of Parks and Recreation, Dan Russell, coming to the podium to read the proclamation for us. Thank you, uh, Chairperson Garzillo and members of the board. I uh, wanted to just uh, thank the board for their support uh, of Parks and Recreation Services here in Upper Marion Township. Uh, as Supervisor Garzillo mentioned, uh, July is National Recreation and Park Months, uh, Month, and July 21st is the uh, Park and Recreation Professionals Day. And the, the township has prepared a proclamation <clears throat> that I will uh, read aloud tonight. Park and Recreation Professionals Day, July 21st, 2023, whereas parks and recreation promotes physical, emotional, and mental health and wellness through organized and self-directed fitness, play, and activity. And whereas Parks and Recreation supports the economic vitality of communities by providing frontline jobs, 
childcare for the essential workforce, and promoting community revitalization. And whereas Parks and Recreation creates memorable experience through engaging virtual and physically distanced programs, dynamic online events, and new learning opportunities designed to keep families active while stay-at-home orders are in place and beyond. And whereas Parks and Recreation fosters social cohesiveness in communities by celebrating diversity, providing spaces to come together peacefully, modeling compassion, promoting social equity, connecting social networks, and ensuring all people have access to its benefits. And whereas Parks and Recreation supports human development and endless learning opportunities that foster social, intellectual, physical, and emotional growth in people of all ages and abilities. And whereas Parks and Recreation strengthens community identity by providing facilities and services that reflect and celebrate community character, heritage, culture, history, aesthetics, and landscape. And whereas Parks and Recreation facil facilitates community problem and issue resolution by providing safe spaces to come together peacefully and facilitating conversations and services in order that our communities may heal both physically and emotionally. And whereas Parks and Recreation sustains and stewards our nat natural resources by protecting habitats and open space, connecting people to nature, and promoting the ecological function of parkland. And whereas Parks and Recreation supports safe, vibrant, attractive, progressive communities that make life better through positive alternatives offered in their recreational opportunities. Whereas the Board of Supervisors supports the skilled work of park and recreation professionals to strengthen community cohesion and resiliency, connect people with nature and with each other, and provide opportunities for healthful living, social equity, and environmental sustainability. Whereas the Board of Supervisors values the essential services that park and recreation professionals and our volunteers perform to provide recreational and developmental enrichment for our children, youth, adults, and seniors, and to ensure our parks and recreation facilities are clean, safe, and ready to use. Now, therefore, be it resolved, the Board of Supervisors does hereby proclaim July 22nd, July 22nd, 21st, excuse me, 2023, as Park and Recreation Professional Days, Professional Day in Upper Marion Township, adopted this 13th day of July, 2023, attested by Anthony Hamaday, Township Manager, and signed by Tina Garzillo, Chairman. And with that being said, I'd just like to thank um, our entire staff. As you know, uh, we're in the middle of the summer. Uh, it's our busy season, so I'd like to thank our outstanding staff uh, for all of their hard work and dedication in providing all the activities and programs. And also like to give a big shout out to our Park and Recreation Advisory Board. There's a couple members here in attendance tonight and uh, thank them for all their support as well and to the board and to our residents because uh, without them, we wouldn't be able to provide the services. So thank you everyone for your support. Dan, your comments were exactly what I was going to mention. And I serve as, you know, the, um, the uh, BOS liaison to Parks and Rec uh, Advisory Board. And um, they are included in this, that they are also professionals and um, very dedicated individuals who give heart and soul to Parks and Rec and the programming and activities. And as well as the staff, that um, professionalism across the board, that it's always a pleasure to work with the staff and um, you as the director at the helm. and. Um, 
top-notch crew. So thank you for all that you do. And you. please pass that along to all the, all the um, staff. Thank you again. The next item on the agenda, we will be opening into a public hearing, public hearing on an ordinance of Upper Marion Township, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, amending the township code to create a new chapter, single-use product regulations to reg regulate the distribution and use of single-use carry-out bags, single-use plastic straws, single-use plastic utensils, and expanded polystyrene food service products. I'm positive that I have some colleagues that would like to comment on this. And I will say that this has been an initiative that has been in the works for quite a few years. And Upper Marion is very proud that we're in the forefront of leading the charge in some of these sustainable um, initiatives. And uh, we're proud to, proud to be in this position tonight to um, render a vote on uh, this ordinance. And um, I'll turn this now over to our solicitor to open the hearing and then we'll have comment after. Thank you, Madam Chair. At this time, we will open up that public hearing on this ordinance so stated by the Chair. I have three exhibits I'll mark for this hearing. The first is Board Exhibit 1, which is the ordinance itself. Board Exhibit 2 is the proof of publication of the legal notice of this hearing, uh, which was published in the Times-Herald on June 28, 2023. And Board Exhibit 3 is the submission of this ordinance to the Montgomery County Law Library, which was submitted on June 13, 2023. Uh, this would create a new chapter uh, entitled Single Use Product Regulation. Uh, in the past, it's, and other municipalities have it as a plastic regulation. However, this one would also apply to not just single use plastic bags and straws, but also to polystyrene food service containers or, or styrofoam. Uh, and it would also apply to plastic utensils. The effective date proposed for the bags, straws, and styrofoam containers is January 1st, 2024. The uh, date is delayed for the proposed uh, ban on single-use plastic utensils to July 1st, 2024. This also provides a requirement for a 10 cents paper bag fee um, for paper bags they are provided. There are a number of exemptions provided for each of uh, these particular items, including an exemption uh, to comply with the uh, American with Disabilities Act um, for straws. There's a signage requirement to make sure that the customers are aware of this, uh, this uh, regulation coming into place, and it provides for escalating penalties based upon uh, repeat violations. This is an ordinance that has been before the board on numerous occasions due to the work of the Environmental Advisory Committee, uh, who's done, who have done many renditions and have moved this forward with you. So I believe you are familiar with the ordinance, how it's come to, to this today. Um, now, with that being said, I will now turn this hearing over to see if there is any public comment on this ordinance to the public. If there is so, uh, please come forward uh, and provide your name. All right, hey everybody, Zach Davis. Thanks for allowing me to speak about the Plastic Pol uh, Pollution Reduction Ordinance. I am the chairperson of the EAC. As John mentioned, in our never-ending pursuit to improve and ensure the safety, beauty, and ecosystem of our community, the EAC began working on this ordinance back in April of 2019. So it's been quite a long journey since we began discussing this. We've had countless discussions with the board, had public meetings both between the board at workshops and in our EAC meetings for pretty much every month for the past four years on the best ways to implement this ordinance. 
We've discussed with residents, small businesses, the King of Prussia Mall Management, the King of Prussia Business Improvement District, as well as neighboring communities that have gone through the same process. The overwhelming feedback from all parties is that this is a popular and widely supported by a majority of Upper Marion residents and businesses. This ordinance has the potential to reduce the amount of plastic bags consumed in Upper Marion by well over 15 million bags per year, on top of the literal tons of plastic waste, straws, stirs, styrofoam, and utensils that litter our community, including parks, trees, waterways, and infrastructure. That leads to costly cleanups at the expense of our own taxpayers and public works. It, also leads to, it will also lead to a reduction in plastic bags that clog our stormwater drains and our wastewater treatment facility. This all means that we will be able to invest our tax dollars in better services for our residents. As a part of this ordinance, we want consumers and businesses alike to change their habits, not solely replacing plastic with paper, rather opting for reusable products where safe and feasible. Most importantly, this is just the right thing to do for our community and the environment. The Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania states that people have the right to clean air, pure water, and to the preservation of the natural, scenic, historic, and aesthetic values of the environment. Simply put, plastics put this very right at risk. Microplastics and forever chemicals pollute our water and lead to countless health issues amongst our residents. We owe it to ourselves, our children, and future generations to do all we can to pass down an environment in which they can thrive. I'd like to thank again the entire board's discussion and feedback as we've publicly hashed this out and the specifics of this ordinance over the past, at about four workshops and meetings over the past six months, as well as the countless discussions we've had over the past four years. And I would like to say I would like us to join our neighbors, Ambler, Sheltonham, Doylestown, Easttown, Haverford, Lower Marion, Media, Narberth, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Radnor, Solbury, Tredyffrin, West Chester, West Goshen, West Narton, and even more municipalities in the coming months as well as New York, Delaware, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, soon to be Maine. And while we join them, we will also become a leader in terms of plastic utensils on the entire East Coast as the first community to do so. With that said, on behalf of the EAC, members past and present that I've worked on this over the past four years, I strongly encourage the board to vote yes on this ordinance. Any other public comment? Hi there, Mike Panza, 1000 Valley Forge Circle. Um, I recently became aware about a month ago that this ordinance was coming before the board um, and I've been anxiously awaiting a meeting since then to come here and share my thoughts. Um, for the majority of the ordinance, I'm in agreement. Bags, absolutely. Styrofoam containers, absolutely. Utensils, okay, I'm there. Where I'm not there is with plastic straws, and I'll share a couple reasons for why of that. First and foremost, we have a number of skilled nursing facilities as well as a hospital here in our township. I had major surgery back in March. When I woke up from the surgery, I could not move. I was very thirsty. A nurse was able to bring a cup to me with a bendable plastic straw so I could drink. After a couple of hours, I was able to move, I was able to get out of the bed, and I left the hospital. The point is, in a scenario like that, I needed that bendable plastic straw to drink. We have a number of, like I said, skilled nursing facilities, continuing care facilities, as well as a hospital here in our great township. A number of the municipalities that Mr. Davis mentioned um, who will be joining 
um, with our, our ban, um, are still allowing plastic straws. Um, and in fact, White Marsh, which is in the middle of getting the same water ordinance passed that we're doing, has allowed for plastic straws upon request, meaning that no one will be given a plastic straw automatically. If they need one, they can ask for one. It doesn't fall under an Americans with Disabilities Act clause. It just simply falls under, it's something I need. May I please have a plastic straw? Um, I'm in agreement with 99% of our ordinance, the way that it's being written. I would just like to see it amended to say that plastic straws would be available, whether it's in a restaurant, a medical facility, or any facility here in the township, if the person requests that plastic straw. It's a, yes, it's a Those are my thoughts. I believe that that is written that way in the ordinance, that it's upon request. I haven't been able to find that. I do apologize. It, 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 it is, and I, can, I will step down in a few minutes and show it to you. I, I literally read the entire ordinance today to make sure. But okay. yes, plastic straws will be available on request. If Mr. Walker wants yes, to Yes, there, there, there are two, two references. One, for the exception, is the uh, is used as a medical device to accommodate disability, as you mentioned. But even apart from that, Section 6, or how it would be codified, says that effective January 1st, commercial establishments are prohibited from providing an I'm sorry, uh, providing a single-use plastic straw to a customer at the establishment or through delivery service except upon the request of the customer. Okay. That's section five. Okay, good um, to know. So it does, that was added actually, and there may be some confusion because that, that was something that was, I think, tweaked at the last workshop to, to, to make that simpler that way, so. If, if that's the way the ordinance is going to be written, that, that per request someone can be given one, then absolutely yes, I would support yeah, the ordinance. That, that, that was the final final amendment to this. I care about our environment just as much as everybody else does. Um, but those were my thoughts on the situation with the straw. Thank you all. Uh, if I may just read that section, Mike. Um, and thank you for your comments and thank you for your support. Uh, section five is single-use plastic straws. Effective January 1st, 2024, commercial establishments, it's commercial establishments okay, are prohibited from providing a single-use plastic straw to a customer at the commercial establishment or through a delivery service except upon the request of the customer. That does not include places like hospitals or nursing homes or care facilities and that sort of thing. So absolutely that would not cover those instances. Right. Thank you for clarifying that. But, but in addition, Mrs. Kenny, the Definition of single-use plastic straw does not include um, when provided as an assisted, assistive device to, a reason, to reasonably accommodate a disability, and there are f four other exemptions to that. So I think that particular issue is covered. Any other public comment? Hearing and seeing none, public comment? Hi everyone, Jocelyn Bilker, a student member of the EAC. Um, I just wanted to say I am, I've had the pleasure of working with the EAC since uh, mid-2020, which was an interesting time for all of us, I'm sure. Um, but I've had the pleasure of working with EAC since mid-2020, and I've gotten to see how this ordinance has progressed. And from, for example, that instance that you brought up, um, it, it's those nuances that really make this ordinance a good thing for our township, specifically because we need we need to be more pr proactive when it comes to our environment and protecting 
protecting the township. And um, yeah, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm in support of this ordinance specifically because I do feel that it will be very beneficial. Other, as Zach mentioned, many other townships around the area, many different uh, municipalities, many different uh, townships, counties, even just states as a whole have been implementing certain restrictions um, toward plastics and toward single-use plastics, and I do think it would be beneficial for our township. And while I might not have as much to say as the others did, I just wanted to say that I am in support of this ordinance, and thank you again. Any other public comment? Hearing and seeing none, I'll turn it back to the board for comment or for questions. Um, would you like to, to leave? Uh, yeah, I have two comments. Um, when this was first proposed, you know, part of me went, oh, good Lord, really? Um, and like some of, the, some of the emails that I've received, you know, we use the single-use plastic bags for, they're not just single-use, right? We use them for trash and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do too. Um, but the problem is, is even though you put your trash in a single-use plastic bag, it still doesn't, it still pollutes, right? Um, Microplastic pollution is on the rise, it's everywhere. Um, we now have ordinances uh, that, and I don't mean just Upper Marion, nationally there are ordinances out there that are dealing with things like PFAS, PFAS, and microplastics. That's a real deal thing, and when we do some of the things that we do, we pollute our aquifers, and we don't even realize it. Um, the other thing is, you know, plastic utensils. Some people were really upset about why, why are you gonna ban those? I've recently had the ability to travel overseas and travel to other states. If they can do it, and they've been doing it a very long time, we can do it. This is the United States of America. We're supposed to be innovators. One of the things I asked for in terms of a, an amendment to this, and the EAC was happy to, uh, to accommodate, was under section one was paragraph six to encourage our township residents and businesses to adopt innovative solutions to transition away from single-use plastics. There is a major opportunity for inventors, for business people to kind of move in that direction and, and actually do not only good for their pocketbooks, but good for the environment in our community. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, I, I am very much in favor of this and want to see this passed. Um, and, you know, this is going to be good for our community going forward. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh -huh. Vice Chair Genoway. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I probably was the most challenging member of the board to Mr. Davis and his, his team. Uh, but I want to thank you for doing the research that we asked you to do. And my challenges were simply based on, I don't like unintended consequences to happen. And you did a great job reaching out to the various major operators in the township, the local business owners, those who live and have a business in the township, just to make sure that we didn't get any type of challenges from them uh, and to make sure that they understood what the ultimate goal was and that they bought in. And you did a great job in accomplishing that for us. There, uh, there were a couple of things that uh, I was also concerned about and I think that by modifying the implementation dates we achieved what we were really after here. And, and I worry about 
when you look at the, the, the uh, plastic uh, utensils and you look at something, you have a supply chain issue, you have a conversion issue, you have some other things. As long as there was sufficient time to make that happen without causing a hardship to the business owners, I think that that made sense as well and you accomplished that as well. And we found out that several businesses were already in the works with that. So again, uh, again, thank you. Um, I also was a little worried about customer purchasing shift, but I think that when the mall said they were in, when the bid said they were in, I think we solved that concern. Um, there, there is something that I noticed um, in New Jersey in particular, uh, and that was when there were, when this went through in the state of New Jersey, there were businesses uh, who did something good for the people. They didn't simply charge you for a, for a bag that had their name on it. They gave it to you. And I think that one of the things that we can learn from there is that <coughs> those businesses uh, who would automatically transition and say, oh, well, you owe us five cents for a plastic bag or, or for a paper bag or something, take 90 days and instead of advertising on TV for $50,000 for a minute, invest that money into bags that have your name on it and give them to your customers. That would build goodwill. It would also solve this problem of not having bags. And maybe by then people will learn over 90 days, people will learn to bring a bag with them, which is the biggest challenge that I had uh, in, in going to stores in New Jersey. So I think that if we can find a way to, to get that communicated, it would be advantageous. So I'm gonna ask maybe that we have the PIO make a, uh, create a letter and send that to the various businesses that do this. And, and I'm thinking off the top, Wawa, Target, um, Walmart, uh, you know, Giant. Giant, yes. I mean, you, you know the stores as well as I do. Um, but I think that that would be advantageous. And um, for those of you that worry about this and, and you eat in your car, and I know I used to when I was a, a field representative, uh, I would always eat in my car, but I always had a plastic spoon and fork with me, and you can still buy them at Target in bulk if you want to. So there's a solution for you. So that's it. Thank you, and great work, EAC, on, on creating this, and, and I'm backing you. I'll turn the floor over now to Supervisor Wax. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I just want to piggyback a little bit on what um, Mr. Phillips, uh, pardon me, Supervisor Phillips and Vice Chair Genoway said and add some other thoughts. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank the Environmental Advisory Council, all the members, Supervisor Liaison, the staff liaison, for the incredible amount of work done over a course of years in order to get this into a position to where it could be and I think will be adopted tonight. I know it wasn't always easy, but the, I think that you're about to get a, an enormous payoff. We're not the first with plastic bags. We knew that. I, didn't, I did know that we were one of the first in regards to utensils. I didn't realize we were the first on the East Coast. That sort of goes into what I was about to say next, and that is, you know, I've been on the board now for, for approximately 14 years. Supervisor Genoway and I came on at the same time. During that course of time, this is, in my opinion, without question, one of the two or three most important ordinances that this Board of Supervisors has passed. Simply put, this is the municipality, which you could argue might be the hardest to pass this type of ordinance in because of our strong commercial base, our dominant commercial base, being first in line to pass this. After this is passed, it is my hope that other environmental advisory councils 
and other boards of supervisors, boards of commissioners, city councils take note of this and if that means somebody saying to them, if they could pass this in the municipality that contains the king of Prussia Mall, why can't we do this in our municipality? There's long been this saying in the environmental movement, you know, think global, act local. This is sort of think global, act local, expect other municipalities who are local and regional to do the exact same thing. It's not a, it's not a little, you know, two or three snowflakes rolling down the hill to create, you know, an avalanche of, of ordinances. This is already a gigantic, you know, pile of snow going down the hill, in my opinion. Um, I want to thank the Environmental Advisory Council, also supervisors on their own for doing an inordinate amount of research. That's reaching out to individual stores. Obviously, the King of Prussia District as a whole, the King of Prussia Mall, Simon Properties as a whole, but also other little things. Um, I know that board members were going in and talking specifically to, to retailers, finding out how often they, they order plastic bags. There was research done on what the actual cost is of ordering, ordering um, wooden or bamboo you know, utensils online. Hint, it's not that expensive. Uh, so I actually don't think that will be a particularly difficult uh, transition. And lastly, I want to talk about, about what I've done in preparation to this specifically with a little bit of my background uh, tied into that. And that is, you know, I live in a condo. All my life I've lived in, in high-rise buildings. I grew up in a rental apartment that became a co-op. I lived in a dorm in college. I rented apartments in this, including in this community before I bought my condo about two decades ago. So I'm used to, or was used to, getting plastic bags at the supermarket, you know, groceries going in the plastic bags, then storing those plastic bags and taking those plastic bags, filling it with, with you know, garbage that wasn't recyclable and throwing it down the chute. About a year ago, I stopped taking plastic bags at all from Wegmans using only my, um, you know, uh, uh, pre-manufactured you know, reusable bags. I had done that on occasion beforehand. I wanted to see how I would be able to adjust, personally speaking, uh, to the Wegmans initiative on their own to stop using uh, plastic bags and also what it would be like, you know, if this ordinance passed. And the one thing I learned was I get so much stuff from the supermarket or from other places that can easily hand, handle trash going down the chute. Whether it's, you know, bags of fruit um, or bags of bagels, they come in bags, those are now containing trash that is not recyclable. Um, sometimes there's netting. You get like, like avocados in, in Wegmans or, or like oranges in Wegmans, they come in netting and you use that sometimes. Paper bags that I would get in other places, on the rare occasion that I would take takeout, there would be a paper bag. That wound up being garbage. It, I began to realize that I now had stored more backup things to throw away trash in since I was saving these things after you know, preparing for the ban than I was beforehand. And lastly, I want to conclude this with a little bit of a lighter note. And that is, I know that not everybody is in the community is in favor of that, and that's fine. You don't expect 100% support for anything. But at least from my position, I think the most offensive thing that's been said up here tonight in the Board of Supervisors is that I actually buy bagels at Costco. Thank you. On, on that note, <laughs> and so it's it revealed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it back to. <laughs>
I, I just don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> so, Professor Kenny, you have the floor. Thank you. Um, so I'm very, very gratified to hear all the comments, um, most of which didn't surprise me, but a couple of them did. So I'm very happy to hear the so far, um, so far unanimous support for this ordinance. Um, I just want to add a few extra comments. Um, I went personally to Wawa, to both of the Wawas in Upper Marion. I went to Home Depot. I went to Giant. I asked the managers, what will you do? Will this surprise you if we have a plastic bag ordinance? And in every case, they said, number one, no, we're expecting it. Look at New Jersey. Look at New York. Look at Delaware. Look at all the other townships around us that are doing this. That's number one. Number two, I said, well, how long will it take you to get used to the new system? In one case, they said, oh, we have a two-day supply of plastic bags. We get them replenished every couple of days. In another case, I think it was, uh, it was either, oh, I don't have my notes, but it was either Wawa or Home Depot. Oh, we get our new plastic bags once a week. So it's not like these companies have a year's supply in their stores. They have a couple of days or a week's supply of plastic bags. So by giving them six months lead time, or if we pass this tonight, I don't want to be presumptuous, um, if we pass this tonight, they'll have five months lead time. But they are expecting this. This is a trend. I wish we were more in the forefront, but um, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh have already done this in addition to the states. Uh, I believe Upper Marion is the fourth largest um, entity in the state if you count not just the residents but also the people who come here to work in our township. Um, so if we pass this as uh, Supervisor Wax said that we're, we're looked at as, um, as a township to be reckoned with and possibly used as an example. So I'll throw down the gauntlet now to Scranton, to Scranton and to Harrisburg and see if they will do the same and other towns around us in the area. Um, a couple of other things. Um, <clears throat> someone mentioned the microplastics and PFAS. I'm also the um, supervisor liaison, liaison to the Sewer and Stormwater Authority. And one big discussion that we are having these days is about PFAS, which are um, PFAS and PFAS, and I'm not going to try to pronounce what the acronyms stand for, but these are, these are direct results of plastic. Microplastics are all over in our environment already. They are in the deepest regions of, the, of our oceans. They are everywhere. And they are in our food. They are in our bodies. They are in our systems. The one thing that we can do, this is one small thing that we can do to try to reverse that and try to make the world safer for every single human being on the planet. And um, it's a small step and I think something that um, will take maybe a little bit of change on our parts. Um, and if I could add a light note, um, Supervisor Genoway mentioned that he sometimes forgets his bag, um, as, as we all do, because we have them in our trunk, we have them in the back seat, or we have them at home and we forget to take them with us when we go shopping. But I have a suggestion, you could get a string bag, Supervisor Genoway. This one is over 50 years old, which I used in France when I lived there. 
And this was what everyone used to buy their daily rations of, of food. This is a newly purchased string bag, uh, courtesy of Longwood Gardens. And a, it's a little bit bigger, it's more attractive. Um, these can be easily balled up and put into your pocket so you don't forget them from your car or anyone who's out there. I, I highly suggest string bags as an alternative. Um, a couple of other comments. Uh, as everyone has mentioned, I think so far, the King of Prussia Business District and the mall. I was in contact as well with the, uh, the manager of King of Prussia Mall, which as we know is the largest mall in the country. So um, we did not get pushback from them. Um, I was assured that they are very much in favor of the plastic bag ban. And there are exceptions if you go to buy a suit, if you go to buy a formal gown or some a bridal gown or something, you're allowed to have plastic bags over such purchases. Those exceptions are in this ordinance. Um, I think that's just about it. Oh, no, one other mention. Um, if you go to Trader Joe's, which is not in Upper Marion, they already have biodegradable plastic bags in their produce section. Uh, at the Upper Marion Farmer's Market, there was, I bought some fruit the other day and it came in a biodegradable plastic bag. Uh, Costco, Aldi, Lidl, BJ's, which is not in Upper Marion, all of these places do not provide plastic bags. So we've already gotten used to this to a large measure. And these things either, we don't wanna go into the packaging issue, that's a whole other subject. We don't have control over packaging, but we do have control over this. Tiffin, another local um, business, Indian restaurant, for at least a year or more, they have biodegradable takeout containers and they say, if you bring it back to us, we will wash them and refill them and reuse them. So uh, shout out to all of these places that are really um, pointing the way for us for this uh, ordinance. Um, lastly, I wanna thank uh, everyone on the Environmental Advisory Council. Uh, some of you are here tonight. I see some people from other uh, other community boards who didn't speak up, but we, I appreciate your, your support by being here. Uh, I see people from our sewer and stormwater authority here as well, because we are concerned about our water and the cleanliness of our water. Uh, everything that our sewer system uh, uh, processes goes into the Schuylkill River. Um, other townships, their sewer systems, whatever they process, goes into either the Schuylkill River or the Delaware River, and that's where American Water and Aqua get the water that we drink. So it's a whole cycle, and we have to, we're trying to stop this at this point of the cycle by improving what we can and take the steps that we can. Um, finally, I wanna thank the EAC, every member there, and thank you, Jocelyn, who is our student member of the EAC, for speaking up as well. Thank you all for your hard work. Thank you to Rose Grosso, who is our staff liaison. And thank you, John Walco, because you have uh, provided us with uh, many, many sample ordinances and worked with us on creating the ordinance as it stands today for, uh, for our discussion and for our vote. So. I hope I didn't forget anyone. 
Thank you. I think everything that needed to be said was said, so I won't be redundant and say uh, much more. Um, I, I've sort of been doing my own case study around the community, our municipality and surrounding communities to see what, what establishments are doing. And it's interesting to see the solutions that um, the establishments are coming up with. And everyone is a little bit different. Some of them address um, like the packaging on the plastic utensils that, um, that Vice Chair Genoway had issues with at the beginning and I wanted us to really research that. That now there's biodegradable bags. Inside is still the plastic, but the, the covering is that. Um, bamboo stirs for coffee and different things. Some, some establishments are not offering bags at all anymore that if you don't bring your own, they don't, there's nothing to offer. So it's been interesting to see all of the, so they're being pre proactive that this is the trend and um, now we're just codifying this uh, for our municipality and I'm in full support of this and I think that I'm just ready to um, have a motion. Okay, I'd like, like to have a motion. Gail. Is this at the proper time to do this? Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll close the hearing officially since there's been public is, comment. Apologize. And now okay. we'll be in. Yes, in, yes thank you. It, it is now in place to be motioned. Okay. The hearing is closed. It is. <laughs> now we can take a motion. <laughs> I would like to make a motion to pass this ordinance. Uh, I don't have an ordinance number. Do I have an ordinance number? Not yet. Um, an ordinance to amend the township code to create a new chapter, single-use product regulations to regulate the distribution and use of single-use carry-out bags, single-use plastic straws, single-use plastic utensils, and expanded polystyrene food service products, et cetera. I'll second. Okay. Any additional comments from the, the board? We are now in a position Sub to take. Subject, from any additional? Oh. Any additional comments from the public? Hearing and seeing none, we're in a position to take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes unanimously five to zero. Congratulations yes. to our community for this one. Sounding applause. And preemptively, I reached out to PIO just in case this was approved to try to see if we could get this in our, our township e-newsletter for tomorrow. So it looks like the, um, the general public that weren't able to, li to listen to the meeting this evening or attend in the audience will get that in the e-newsletter tomorrow. Uh, working to get that on our website. So um, just try to do that as quickly as put that in place just in case. And uh, there were no promises that the votes would go as they did. I'm hoping, but of course didn't know. So PIO will put, get that information out to the public as quickly as possible and then uh, I believe it was Vice Chair Genoway mentioned about the um, reaching out to the facilities to see if they could do a bag promo, which I think is an excellent idea. So we'll add that to the list of the work that um, PIO can take care of uh, for us, for the community. And thank you, Supervisors, for your yes, yes vote on this one. Thank you for your votes. Now we'll move along to the consent agenda. Um, now this is more of the longer part that you'll have to listen to me read a lot, so bear with me here. The first item on the consent agenda is the revenue stabilization fund commitment, approval of the designation of $2 million in the Re revenue stabilization fund as committed fund balance in the 2022 Upper Marion Township financial statements. This is, this is a standard operational procedure um, that, that, that is just done to stabilize um, the budget. 
number two, resolution number resolution number 2023-22, Montgomery County Hazard Mitiga Mitigation Plan, adoption of the 2022 Montgomery County Hazard Mitigation Plan as the ha Hazard Mitigation Plan for the Township. Number three, First Avenue Linear Park Phase Two, payment application number six in the amount of $72,474.39 to Road Con Inc. of Westchester, Pennsylvania for work completed to date. Number four, First Avenue Linear Park Phase Two, contract extension to extend the First Avenue Linear Park Phase Two with Road Con Inc. of, Western, of Westchester, Pennsylvania to September 30th, 2023 in order to complete punch list items. Number five, financial escrow security release number two, MJT developers, 230 Arden Road, approval of escrow release number two in the amount of $100,115.75 to MJT developers for the completion of required site improvements to date as part of the land development project as recommended by the township engineer. Number six, financial escrow security release number three, 624 Columbus Street subdivision, approval of escrow release number three in the amount of $33,061.50 to Gentera Corp for the completion of required site improvements to date as part of the land development project as recommended by the township engineer. Number seven, financial escrow security release number four, 624 Columbus Street subdivision, approval of escrow release number four in the amount of $39,419 to Gentera Corp for the completion of required site improvements to date as part of the land development project as recommended by the township engineer. Number eight, Township Retirement Health Savings Account Administrative Services Agreement, Optum Financial Inc. Approval of an Administrative Services Agreement with Optum Financial Inc. for administrative and reporting services for the Township's Retirement Health Savings Account in accordance with the exhibits and fee structure schedule in the agreement as recommended by the Pension Advisory Board. Number nine, Abrams Pump Station, Valley Brook Pump Station, and Trout, Trout, Trout Run WP, WPCC uh, MPS equipment replacement, approval of payment application number five in the amount of $40,905.36 to Blooming Glen contract contractors for work completed to date. Number 10, capital equipment purchase, authorization to purchase a 2023 Chevy Silverado 1500 PB, PPV truck as a replacement vehicle in the Public Safety Department for Whitmore from Whitmore Buick Chevrolet Inc. through the CoStars Purchasing Program in the amount of $67,043.77, which includes equipment, upfit, and graphics. And then finally, number 11, a resignation of Pam Forrester from the Economic and Community Development Committee. Pam served as our uh, chair for the committee and due to other commitments, she is asking to um, uh, have us accept her resignation and also ask that uh, she may be able to return when her work duties, et cetera, um, are decreased. So um, that's the end of the uh, consent items. And is there a motion to approve the uh, consent items? I'll move to approve the consent agenda. I'll second. Any comments from the board? Any comments from the public on the consent agenda? Hearing and seeing none, we're in the position to take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Passes five to zero. The next item on our agenda, item E, business tax appeal, uh, 1045 First Avenue Partners, LP, uh, care of Somerset Properties, Inc., consider a business tax appeal from 1045 First Avenue Partners, LP, 1045 First Avenue, King of Prussia, requesting the waiver 
of penalty and interest in the amount of $124.55 for business privilege tax for the year 2022. Is there a motion to grant this waiver to this company? So moved. Is there second. a second? Second. Any comments from the board? Just a quick comment. Um, the overall amount is not particularly much. Uh, waiving the interest is something I think that we need to do. You know, I've, the board knows why I believe we need to look at that. Normally, I'd be opposed to waiving the penalty, but it's $10 or whatever, not a big deal. So that's it. Are there any comments from the public on this matter? Hearing and seeing none, ready to take a vote on this. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes five to zero. Item F, land use appeal settlement and release agreement, 215 Windsor LLC, uh, 450 West Byler Road to approve a settlement and release agreement with 215 Windsor LLC on the land use appeal of the denial of the development plan for the property at 450 West Byler Road. Is there a motion to... How do I say this one for item F? Um, I'll make a motion to um, approve item F, which is the land use appeal settlement and release agreement. Is there a second? I will second. Are there any comments from the board on this? I, I have a comment, a question for our solicitor. I don't believe that the representatives of this firm are here tonight and would therefore not be able to answer any questions we may have for G. And it would be, would it be appropriate for us to move on these without them in the audience and able to answer questions from us? I believe that the settlement agreement would require the approval of the resolution. So pursuant to the settlement agreement, they not necessarily would need to be here tonight. Um, we kind of come together as a pair. Okay. Normally that is the case, certainly be good if they were helpful here to be here to answer any questions that they have. But in, in, um, in my 14 years, I don't ever remember us doing this without the, the proposer being here to uh, uh, to answer any questions we might have, or at least to confirm that they understand the document and are willing to comply with it. Um, okay. Are you asking to possibly table this item, or? Well, I'm, at, I'm thinking about tabling F, asking to table F and G uh, to make sure that they're here. I don't know why they're not here. Are there any ramifications by tabling it? Is there a time frame on this that it had to be completed? And uh, I'm not aware of any particular time frame um, for approval of the settlement agreement. I mean, again, it is something that is pending within the courts on the land use appeal but I'm not aware of uh, any urgency. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, they're aware that there was, this was No, I, I don't believe they were even scheduled. I think they believe that uh, through their attorney and our attorney representing us that uh, they were satisfied with the, uh, the settlement agreement uh, and agreed to everything that the, the township uh, uh, asked of them. Uh, so I don't believe they were scheduled or even it, indicated they would be here tonight. If the board uh, would uh, wish, we could, or you could table this and I can invite them to the work session where the board can ask them questions and then approve both the settlement agreement and potentially the land development plan at the work session in August, which would be the 3rd of August. But Mr. Walto, our solicitors 
uh, our council have negotiated this, correct, in good faith? The, the settlement agreement was negotiated by insurance council who handled this appeal. Um, that, that is correct. The resolution that's accompanying this, uh, I, it's, it's similar to what was before you with some additional conditions. That was sent to their council to, to make sure that they were aware and, and they were advised that this, that resolution would be on the agenda for tonight. Again, I wanted to make sure there weren't any issues with the resolution as drafted, which, again, they confirmed there were not. Um, so I, I can give that representation that they've at least reviewed the resolution and knew it was going to be before you tonight. Right, right, but it, it, the resolution, so the stipulation actually gets rid of the court case and then the resolution for, or the adoption of the uh, land development plan, that's all been negotiated. So I, I guess mm -hmm. if, what would be the purpose of having them come back to answer questions only, I mean, we're, we're not gonna reopen the negotiations, right? Well, I, I just well, no, I, I, I'd I, like him to. Also. No, I am not aware of any anything that would come up would have to be renegotiated, and perhaps a change would have to be made to the settlement agreement. But at, at this point in time, this is what was negotiated um, to settle the land use. I, I guess the question is: Are they aware that this is still subject to some negotiation? I do not believe they would have an expectation that there are future negotiations, okay. yeah. that this was an agreed upon, that there were conditions that were requested by the board, which were entered as settlement considerations and conditions. And frankly, the, the settlement condition says that the township will approve the plan um, that, that is before them as part of it. Those conditions of approval would be set forward in the, the accompanying resolution. Sure. Okay. So I would imagine that they might have anticipated they did not need to be here because everything would come forward with the writing that they believe was already uh, negotiated between the parties. Okay, thank you. And I guess the reason for my question on this is that some of the requests that were made to assure for the public safety on this site, which were created by our engineer and implemented in there, I, I just wanted verbal confirmation from the uh, the proposer of this parcel that they understood that these were going to be items under under perpetual review, so to speak, during construction, uh, so that uh, th this was not something that we would just anticipate they would comply with. That, that's where I was headed with this, because uh, it is different and unique in what they're going to have to do on this site. I'm not concerned about the engineering design or anything like that. I'm concerned about the ultimate because um, we know on every job site there are issues that happen. But I, I guess my my uh, thought on that is that's that's a code enforcement issue during construction to keep their feet to the fire to whatever those conditions of approval. Are. So I mean, it, this one should get you know strict scrutiny, if you will. And again, the, the resolution does incorporate back the settlement agreement that it is a condition of the approval that they comply with the conditions of the settlement agreement and do reiterate uh, those ongoing requirements, including the requirement to have the association declaration provide for that reserve study for every five years. So it appears not just in the settlement agreement, which again, if they were to violate, that would be a violation of the court-ordered settlement agreement. It would also be a violation of the 
the uh, terms of the approval, so it could be enforced on on that zoning matter as uh, Commissioner Phillips uh, represents, Supervisor Phillips represented. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we had the discussion about the status of this and what the potential issues were going forward. Um, and since I didn't see them here, I thought I wanted to make sure they brought them up here for us. So at this point, we have a motion on the floor. Is there a second? Did oh, we have a second? second. I'll, I'll, was a second? Yeah, I second. You were a second. Yeah. I apologize. Um, any further discussion? Just a general comment, and I've mentioned this before at other meetings, you don't have to like something to recognize that there's a legal right to do something. And I think that if that was recognized um, decades ago, there is something in Upper Marion Township that would probably be substantially less dense. Thank you, Madam Chair. Any comments from the public? Hearing and seeing none, we're in a position to take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Passes five to zero. I'll just make an after comment that this, this particular development plan has presented challenges to us. And um, I, your comment about going forward that we have to make sure that our inspections are tight. Uh, we're diligent about making sure that um, the embankment is secure and um, there's some safety risks that uh, are part of this uh, land development package, and we really want to keep our eyes on this one. And Madam Chair, I'm, I am in no way suggesting that we should be there 24-7 doing extraordinary things that we would not normally do. No, not over and above, but uh, I'm just saying sure that, that we, do we our need job. to keep an yeah. eye on the ball. Yeah. And I, and, on all know, of our projects. Yep, yeah, on all of our projects. All right, moving to the next item, item H, resolution number 2023-24, DCNR, Community Conservation Partnership. I'm sorry, did I miss one? Did I miss one? Oh, I just bypassed the first Very thing. similar. I think we're done with it, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bring me back to G, I apologize. Um, G, preliminary and final land development plan, 215 Windsor LLC, 450 West Byler Road, consideration of a preliminary final land development plan for 215 Windsor LLC, 450 West Byler Road, prepared by Trans-Pacific Engineering Corp, dated November 11th, 2020, last revised October 12th, 2022, as revised for the subdivision of the 2.7 acre parcel into nine parcels and common open space for the construction of nine townhouses and associated site improvements, including waivers as outlined in said resolution, R3A resolution 2023-23. Um, may I entertain a motion? Yeah, I will regrettably make a motion to approve. <laughs> Is there a second? I'll second that motion. Madam Chair, if I, if I may note, just some highlights on this, because again, this was something that was before you in December. There are additional conditions that um, any additional reviews by the township engineer in order to ensure compliance with that settlement agreement, and that's also what the, the traffic engineer uh, need to be need to be made. So again, there is anticipation of ensuring that these additional conditions under the settlement agreement uh, will be reviewed by our engineers. Um, there is a, a new condition that wasn't in before about the requirement to create the association. 
Uh, so again, that, that wasn't there before, it is now. Uh, and finally, again, it reiterates those obligations related to the stabilization of the existing drainage channel and the ability to create that association declaration uh, to, to, to then have a reserve study to be conducted every five years. So certainly, this plan will be, as a result of the actions taken by the board, a better plan and be better for the citizens than if it would have just been approved the first time with these additional conditions. Thank you for adding, adding that in addition. Mr. Walco, may I ask, who will be providing that study every five years? That would be the association. So they are required to create an association, which would need to be done in order to maintain their common space areas. And that association would have to provide uh, the reserve study to be conducted every five years. So at some point in time, I imagine the developer would be handing over or transitioning into the association. If they do that before the five-year period, uh, which very, mal very might well happen, uh, it would be the association. If it's still controlled by the developer at that time, they would have to be doing it through the control of the association. And what is our recourse if the association fails to do that? We, we, would, we would find it as a violation of their approval, and we would take some action under our subdivision land development ordinance as a violation of their approval. I mean, there's only going to be nine units here. It's a nine-unit subdivision with an HOA. It's a very good chance that that HOA does not survive. So, I mean, in reality, from a practical standpoint, what's our recourse? I mean, it, practically speaking, if there is an association but the association is unfunded, I mean, I, my understanding is that that was the desire to ensure that there is a reserve study to ensure that they have sufficient funding uh, for these areas. So hopefully that gets ahead of that situation. Um, and uh, really this targeted this is targeted at ensuring that, that uh, the common areas are able to be maintained. Uh, in addition to this requirement, since this is related to stormwater improvements, we would also have the operation and maintenance agreement, which would be filed against the property uh, that would be able to be brought against the association independently of this as well. So we would also have the right under that agreement that they're going to be required to file. Again, uh, if the association is defunct, yeah, that's a difficult situation. It's something that I know the township's dealing with from associations a long time ago. Um, but I think it would just be the ability is to try to try to see that coming and anticipate that based upon the five-year studies. Okay. Doesn't sound like we have much teeth in that. So at least only so much you can do through land development. Okay. I think our, our goal here was to make sure that those issues that we're seeing, and I think Supervisor Phillips, you had talked about this with just the not sheer low number of units there having to have a major expense where they couldn't afford it. So I think that was the impetus for making sure that, I don't want to call it a monstrous cavern of a drainage channel gets fixed, but that alone is, is going, to, going to be costly. And I think that this ensures that those homeowners are protected from having a whopping bill in the future. You're saying that it's stabilized ahead of time yes. is what will mm -hmm. protect them. And, and would those documents that require that be written into the HOA documents that 
the initial residents would receive and then subsequent residents would receive. Because the second, I'm more concerned with the second group of people that move in here. Um, whenever HOA, a small HOA like that tends to lose things a lot faster than bigger HOAs if there's no management company. Well, and the other issue that I have is, you know, what happens if there's an issue? They use the reserve, and then five years later, there's a bigger issue. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. I guess that's why I was hoping that they would be here so that yeah. we could have this discussion with them so that they understand what the expectation is out of this and not just read through it and make their own understanding of, of what we're looking for or what needs to be done. Yeah, small HOAs create complexities. Sure. Okay, we have um, uh, Supervisor Kenny. You have a com comment? I, I, I don't think this is working. All right. Did you oh, oh, it just went back on. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just concerned because we know of another location in the township mm -hmm. that was supposed to have an HOA for years, and now they have a problem with uh, a basin, a, a detention basin. Yeah. And the present owners, who are mostly not the original owners, this is a shock to them mm -hmm. that they were supposed to have an HOA, and it was a shock to the present owners that they were liable for the detention basin and to clean it out and so on. And then this devolved upon the township. We cleaned it out, correct? We, we, we did we take did care of maintenance. an erosion problem yeah. there, yes. And in light of the fact, now I don't know the specific geology of this particular area, we have seen three sinkholes, or four, I'm not sure, I've lost count, in the past month. Two on Crooked Lane and Church Road, one huge one on 202, and one at Walker Field. We have had huge sinkholes in the past at uh, the mall. We have had sinkholes elsewhere in the township. I don't know, like I said, about the specific geology, and I don't know if our township engineer would be able to speak to that at all, about the danger, potential danger of a sinkhole in that area. But something like a sinkhole could be devastating. And I'm not just saying that to as a scare tactic, but as an example of something that might be under the purview of an HOA if such exists for a small community or a larger community, um, regardless of the size. And I, again, to echo um, Supervisor Phillips' comment, what is, what's the stick that we have? You know, there's the carrot of saying, yes, we can go ahead and do this development, but what's the <coughs> stick here to say that if you don't have an HOA going forward, you know, forever, um, and to have that ability to make uh, improvements or to take care of potential problems, there, there that, will be. What does H that leave? Where does that leave the township? I don't want us holding the bag. Legally speaking, there will be an HOA form. Mm -hmm. That would be. That's a requirement. Uh, and it's a requirement that I review those documents right. to ensure that it has the protections to make sure that these spaces are covered for the township. Whether or not that association then years in the future is, becomes unfunded or unorganized is a second issue. 
But that's an important issue, and that's the, the issue I'm asking. Well, I believe about. in this, this other issue, there yeah. wasn't an HOA to begin with. So, so in this one, there will be an HOA. I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. But so there will be a declaration. They were supposed to have, they were supposed to have one. Right, right. But this yeah. one, they will have one. Okay. There will be a declaration. Yeah. There will be rights that the township will have under that declaration against the HOA if they don't fulfill their obligations under the declaration. However, I believe that Supervisor Phillips' concern was, even with those rights, if the HOA is not there mm -hmm. because it hasn't been funded right. and hasn't been operable, right. you know, what teeth really are there? And that's the second issue. Um, and again, I, my understanding is that this reserve study was set up to ensure that there's proper funding there uh, to the satisfaction of the, the township engineer to make sure that there's funds available for the stormwater improvements uh, that are coming up. So my, my, my guess would be as if it seemed like there was not because there were additional funding issues that needed to be had by the HOA. Uh, at the time that comes for evaluation, that the, the potential or lack of funds or the diversion of the, flunt, the funds and the inability to maintain it in the next five years would be flagged. But again, what do you do at that point in time? That's a more difficult question. Just a suggestion. One thing that we could do on our own volition is after all the townhomes are sold, assuming that this gets approved, assuming they are actually built, every two or three years, the township could send a softly worded reminder about what the HOA is legally responsible for uh, to all the current homeowners. Obviously, it's not going to cost a lot of money to do it. Hopefully, it doesn't take too much time. And maybe it would have the effect of mitigating the chance that the HOA would be forgotten over the course of time. Just a thought. Well, Mr. Walker, going back to the comments that you made, were you saying that our township engineer is the one that establishes the, the um, reserve account amount? for that, that HOA, that so is correct. it's generated from us. The specific provision provides that there's a requirement to have the association declaration, which they must record and I will review, provide for a reserve study to be conducted every five years to establish that appropriate funds are being set aside for the stormwater improvements in other association common areas, subject to the review and approval by the township engineer as to the adequacy of those association funds. So again, we will, we will be monitoring, but if the monitoring shows that there is a problem and the HOA doesn't have anticipating that the funds that are, are necessary, it's a little bit harder to, to try to get them to actually uh, fulfill it. I mean, obviously then we, we could take the position to do a zoning enforcement against them, but again, if they're a defunct organization at that point in time, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're going after an entity that really has no assets, uh, no real responsibility, uh, or will they have responsibility, but they just won't be able to answer for it. Is the layer beyond that going out, going to the individual homeowners? Is that? I would imagine that the, the declaration would provide for the ability to do individual assessments at, at some point in time. But I imagine that these, these facilities would be in common areas and not individual lots. So apart from the association in the declaration through the homeowners association, there wouldn't be individual liability unless there was an actual stormwater improvement or a BMP on their lots and they were the landowners for that. 
For this one in particular, is there any indication at, what, at which point the, um, the HOA agreement is turned over to the property owners? So there are nine units that are um, anticipated. It's, I, the, so it's not drafted yet, and okay. it wouldn't be drafted until you know the, they're trying close to, to actually moving forward um, with the approval. Again, it's a, it's a condition that I review it for to make sure it contains the language that's necessary. Generally, it's based upon a number of years or a number of percentage of owner-occupied units. Because again, initially the developer will own all nine units and will be selling them off. Mm -hmm. And if he only sells three or decides to build three, and it's after, let's say, five years, then there is an obligation to turn it over. It, but if they sell all nine, or if it's a 90%, 75%, of number of units, whatever the declaration says, even but within that amount of time, it would then trigger the ability to turn over to the actual homeowners. So it's it's differing based upon what the association has. I believe there are some requirements under the um, Pennsylvania Homeowners Association law, uh, but I'm not sure exactly what the requirements are for that turnover to occur, a maximum. Any additional comments? Can I ask one further question about that? Um, if the HOA does go defunct, um, well, let me back up. In the bill of sale for each of these units, yes. would that include verbiage about their responsibility to become a member of and maintain a homeowners association? There should be. The requirements should are, be or could be. There should, legally, there should be. Will there be? Then is my question. If if they are following the law, the HOA law, they are required to provide what's called a public offering statement, okay. which is a summary of all the obligations of being within the HOA. Are also required to be provided with the bylaws, with the rules and regulations, and mm -hmm. they're set up, and a copy of the declaration. Um, and obviously, they are made aware that they are an HOA. Sometimes there's an initiation fee. Anytime mm -hmm. you join, maybe you have to pay $1,000 for an initial investment, mm -hmm. uh, whether or not it's a new unit or not. But obviously, the HOA, if it's an operating, is going to want to make sure that they are going to continue to pay their dues mm -hmm. for those new owners. So they'll be made aware of what those dues would be. And um, they should be made aware of how much is held in reserve for these items and any other public improvements that are on the property. So the, the law is set up to require that those disclosures be made. Again, if there's not an active HOA or a management company, um, it, it might just fall through the cracks. But again, I, I don't want to base my opinion on worst practices mm -hmm. that might happen. Okay, but so. If, but if all goes as, as it should, as the law would require mm -hmm. and as the normal course, yes, those notices are, are well provided. So there is no ultimate overseeing body or authority or entity that manages or watches over HOAs to make sure they're doing the right thing. It's just the nine members, the nine owners in this case? Yes, um, or any individual one of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there's one member of an HOA that does not feel that the HOA is being handled correctly, um, or the HOA is not doing what they're supposed to do. Because again, 
ideally they're paying <laughs> into the HOA, right. they have civil remedies against the HOA as an entity okay. uh, in order to, to provide them with their rights under the declaration for what they've been promised as members of those HOA. That HOA. I, I don't, I, um, I happen to disagree with, I think what uh, Supervisor Wax was maybe suggesting that every two or three years we remind them of their rights. I don't think, I personally don't think that we as a township ought to be in the business of um, being the authority or the overseer of every HOA in this town, um, this one or any other. Um, and recently I've, I've read about HOAs being proliferating like wildfire all over the country because it's easier for the developers, um, uh, whatever reasons. And there are more and more HOAs, and I think we have enough to oversee in the township in terms of our zoning department and so on that I don't think, I don't want us to have to be responsible to oversee HOAs and make sure each one is doing the right thing. So, um, and, and there isn't an obligation to do that. No, 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 this, I know that, but I don't. Generally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but the, the township's normal concern is to ensure that the stormwater facilities are maintained. Mm -hmm. And because normally those stormwater facilities are based on in common areas that mm -hmm. are owned by the HOA, and therefore they are responsible for maintaining. Normally, or for the ability to access and the ability to access those for inspection purposes. We make it very clear that we, we are not obliged to maintain them, but we would have the right to step in if we need to for the good of the public to fix them, repair them, maintain them, and then lean the property of the HOA. That was gonna be my next um, question. To, yeah. to, repair, to repair those facilities. Okay. This is an additional condition with this reserve study that was specifically put in to this particular matter as a settlement condition on the land use appeal. So this is not a normal condition that the township has on, on approvals. This was specifically put in okay. um, to, to settle this case at the request of this board in order to have better uh, reviews on this particular property. And but for the settlement of this land use appeal, it likely would not be a condition you could do through land development. Okay. I think some of the complication that comes with some of these HOAs is it seems like the smaller HOAs are the ones that don't have the structure or the numbers to really have something established. My personal development is an HOA uh, community. We have 26 houses and uh, we have a, a board of directors. We have a property management team that um, sends us an annual update on our finances and it's very sophisticated and all of the residents know exactly what we're to expect. Um, we get reports uh, during the year when we uh, settled on our house. Everything was very clear. I knew what front. I was given a packet that, and I never read the whole thing. Uh, we just reference it as, as needed. But I, I knew exactly what to expect and um, my financial obligation. And we were given a site plan to show us where um, the common areas were, et cetera. But I think some of these smaller ones are the ones that struggle because they just don't have the numbers mm -hmm. to support what's necessary yeah. to maybe maintain and to um, take care of what they need to take care of. Having said that, Madam Chair, I, I would make a request that the reserve concept be incorporated into every 
HOA that I would say is under 20. It's under? Under the number 20. Is there an ordinance that we can adopt that addresses those issues? We could look that, into it as far as requirements for maintaining, ensuring mm -hmm. the maintenance of essentially stormwater facilities is where it would, would come into play. I, I, I think, I'm not sure, we haven't approved our stormwater ordinance yet. I'm no. aware of, so. Yeah, we're still making so we can incorporate that into? If it was tied to the ability to properly maintain and manage the stormwater facilities to create the, the ability to ensure that you know, we have the right to to lean the property, but we need to make sure the property is worth something. Um, essentially, I think it could be tied into that reasonably. I think we should act upon that. One additional question. Um, you jumped right to leaning the property. Before that, if, if uh, there was an HOA that um, disappeared uh, for whatever reason, it was no longer in existence, was defunct, could we, and we had to step in and do work, would the first step not be giving a bill to each homeowner for the work that the township had to do if such a thing happened, if we had to step in, as opposed to just simply leaning the property? Would we not give the homeowner the ability to go ahead and pay it up front uh, rather than lean the property? Uh, uh, the, the homeowners or individual homeowners are different than the HOA itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that th there would certainly be notice and uh, steps and methods and conversations with the individual homeowners okay. prior to leaning okay. the property. And again, the property being leaned would probably be association property. Whether or not the homeowners' individual properties um, I think are, would also be leaned, I'd have to review that. But one of the things also to keep in mind in this is that this is a certain things such as snow plowing of the parking lot. Right. Someone's going to have to do that. Right. Someone's going to have to mow the lawn. Right. It's not, unless an individual homeowner is doing it for everybody else, mm -hmm. they're going to need to pool their resources through that HOA right. in order to make that happen. So there are other practical considerations that cause homeowners to stay in existence. I think where, where problems come is when those, the need for that joint effort, you know, the township has been plowing the road even though they shouldn't, um, or the, the, there is no grass that needs to be maintained. That there isn't a real purpose of mm -hmm. having that joint effort. That's that's when a lot of these issues arise too. But with this particular development, I believe there's a one way in, one way out. Yes. So they're going to need to, to plow. Someone's going to need to plow that yeah. at, at a pretty decent grade, I believe. That's um, pretty necessary for public safety. Sh sure. So uh, unless someone is going to individually. Mm -hmm plow the entire parking lot and the sidewalks, uh, any joint sidewalks, uh, they're going to need to have that HOA in place. But sometimes they disappear. So that's, yeah, that's the concern. Um, okay. All right. Thank you. Any other comments? I, yeah, I had one other comment. Uh, I, I would like to go through the waivers. I think there are two or three or four waivers that were on here. I just wanted to make sure we had an understanding of what those were at this point. Uh, I think Mr. Wax made a point that I want to reiterate, and that is that uh, sometimes you don't like something, but they have a legal right to build it. And that is the case here, uh, in that this plan was filed prior to us making some modifications 
to the amount of townhouses that can be built on certain size properties. And unfortunately, my belief is that in, in today's world, this would not be built. Uh, it would be considered too dense. And as a result, we have to deal with ramifications on the parcel. I mean, this is one of the ones that I was identified as a problem, uh, which is why we changed the ordinance. Uh, and, and that's why I want to make sure that a lot of those issues that we identified because of the density uh, are managed going forward. And that's why I'd like to hear what the waivers are to make sure that uh, we still are understanding what they are. The, the waivers uh, is what they were before because the plan is the same as it was at this point in time before you. The first um, is to allow for a single preliminary final application. So that's a plan submission waiver. The second is to not provide a 32-foot cartway width for West Byler Road, um, i.e. a 16-foot half width, but instead provide a 13-foot half width from the center line. So that, again, I think that was something actually was discussed before about desiring to not increase the, the road in order to, to maybe reduce the speed as it, as it reaches a, a curb. Um, so there, there was a thought that I believe from the traffic engineers that that was a reasonable waiver um, based upon the desire to control speed at that location. And, and didn't that require PennDOT's review and approval? Yeah. And did and they, they did? Pen PennDOT is in line with that thinking, not widened by the road at that location. Okay. Um, so those are the two waivers. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Anything in addition? Anything from the public on this matter? Hearing and seeing none, we're in a position to take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So this passes uh, four to one, one opposition. Now we go to item H. Resolution number 2023-24, DCNR Community Conservation Partners Partnership Programs Community and Watershed Forestry Grant Application, Community Garden, Meadow, and Rain Garden Project, authorization to submit a grant application in partnership with the Township EAC, Shade Tree Commission and Sanitary and Stormwater Authority to the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources C2P2 program for the Township Community Garden Meadow and Rain Garden Project. Is there a motion to pass this resolution? I'll make that motion. I'll second that. Any comments? I would just like to say that I'm very much in support of this because uh, as liaison to both the EAC and the Sewer and Stormwater Authority, I think this is something that will be, um, it'll first of all give us credit with the, uh, for stormwater um, education. And this is something that will help our residents get an idea of what a, a rain garden is, how to create one, um, and what it does good for the community. Uh, we've seen torrential rains just this past week. We've seen lots of flooding um, with uh, crises in some areas. Um, so I think anything that we can do to improve the, uh, the knowledge base of our residents uh, to go ahead and do the same things in their own, in their own areas, their own uh, homes is a, is a plus. So I think it's very admirable that we're going to try to get this grant. Hopefully we'll get it. Any additional comments? 
Um, I'll make a segue sort of comment with this, that what I, re what I appreciate about this um, item uh, very much is the collaboration between different citizen boards. That is, that's been an initiative of the Board of Supervisors for quite a while to um, just create some synergy and collaboration between the citizen boards. And this is one of the perfect examples of that, of various citizen boards working together and um, creating a wonderful project. Um, any comments from the public on this, this item? Hearing and seeing none, we're in the position to take a vote. All in favor? Aye. This passes five to zero. Next item, item I, resolution number 2023-25, DCNR Community Conservation Partnership Programs Community and Watershed Forestry Grant Application, Crow Creek Riparian Buffer Project, authorization to submit a grant application in partnership with the Township EAC, Shade Tree, Shade Tree Commission, and Sanitary and Stormwater Authority, to the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources C2P2 program for the Crow Creek Riparian Buffer Project. Is there a motion to adopt this resolution? So moved. Second. Second. Any, any comments from the board? Uh, pretty much the same comments as I made for the previous resolution. However, I'm going to go off, uh, off the reservation just a little bit with this one. Um, it's uh, Crow Creek Riparian Buffer Project. Uh, going forward, um, I am suggesting to the board that we uh, change some of our requirements when we deal with um, riparian buffers. Riparian means along rivers and creeks and streams. Um, that we do away completely with plastic netting that is used traditionally along um, hillsides to prevent erosion and that we move forward uh, further. This isn't exactly with regarding this resolution, however, uh, because it's given me the opportunity to talk about this. Um, I'd like to go forward in the future with, uh, with the board to do away with plastic netting um, and to use only natural products in future, like straw and uh, coconut and matting and that sort of thing. So, um, <coughs> I definitely support this particular resolution. Any other comments? Anything from the public? Hearing and seeing none, we're in a position to take a vote on this. All in favor? Aye. Passes five to zero. Item J, resolution 2023-26, multimodal transportation fund grant application, Moore Road multimodal trail and linear park project, authorization for the township manager in partnership with the KOP bid to submit a multimodal transportation fund grant in the amount of 612,000 to the Commonwealth Financing Authority to be used for preliminary design, environmental site assessment, and environmental cultural studies. Easement acquisition and administrative costs for the Moore Road Multimodal Trail and Linear Park Project. I will comment that this is not uh, this is not uh, coming from township funds. That this is this is directly funded by the KOP bid. We are just um, part of the just a partner with it. Is there a motion to adopt this resolution? So Second. Any comments from the board on this one? Anything from the public? Hearing and seeing none, we're in a position to take a vote on this. All in favor? Aye. Passes five to zero. The next item is paying the bills, accounts payable and payrolls. Is there a motion to pay our bills? Motion to pay the bills. Second. 
Everyone wants to pay the bills. <laughs> Any comments from the public or the board? Hearing, seeing none, we're in position to take a vote. All in favor? Okay, now we come down to additional business. Uh, does anyone have any additional business they'd like to share? I, I just have a couple comments. Um, the world has recorded some of the highest mm. temperatures in its history, at least in our record keeping. Um, it's gonna be hot for the next couple of days. It was 93 today. It will be in the 90s for the most, uh, most of the rest of the week. It's humid. It is tough to work outside. It's tough to be outside. So. Uh, Younger folks, please check on your older neighbors. Um, make sure you hydrate. Uh, you know, you get a certain age and hydration becomes just a natural problem. It, but on a day like today, it's even worse. So uh, stay hydrated. And if you can, try to reduce the electric use as I was driving in. I heard a report that Pennsylvania's electric grid is being strained because of the heat. Um, so try to stay, stay uh, safe, stay cool, and... Um, you know, hopefully we'll, the fall will be much nicer. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Yeah, I have a couple of things tonight. Uh, the first one is, and I know I sound like a broken record on this, and I know Mr. Wax posted about this, but every major rainstorm that we have, there are incidents where people drive into standing water. There were, of course, we had six and a half inches of rain on Sunday, there were seven incidents where people drove into high water and required uh, emergency service personnel to rescue them. One of them required extension of a 100-foot aerial ladder to pull them out of the vehicle. The other required uh, uh, individual emergency personnel using tethered ropes to go out into the standing water to get them out of the car. And of course, we have the new high water rescue vehicle, which was uh, instituted into service uh, in this incident, in these incidents. So please folks, don't try to drive through the water. Uh, even a truck can't go through a foot and a half of water. So don't try it, a car's not gonna make it. Uh, turn around, don't drown is the bottom line on this. Uh, second item is this year, for the first time in many years, we had a fireworks-related incident uh, where a, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, the hot firework remnant was placed into a trash bag, placed into a trash can, placed adjacent to a house, and ignited the side of the house on fire. Uh, if you choose to use some type of firework at your residence, Make sure that you wet it down when it's done and you don't put it into any kind of a device until the next day. Place it at least 36 inches away from any combustible material so that we don't have to come out and help you through our emergency services team uh, to manage a problem that you've created. Um, second item that I have uh, is actually a pretty cool item. Last week, uh, unbeknownst to anything, I was watching the news on TV at 11 o'clock, and a, an article came on, a report came on, about malls in the United States. And it was about the best malls in the United States, not the biggest. We already know that the King of Prussia Mall was the biggest in the United States. It has now been classified as the best mall. Diversity of shopping, opportunities, parking, uh, lack of charging for parking, all of those things made up the components. The diversity of having the high-end coupled with low-end stores, all of that made it the number one mall in the United States. 
The Mall of America dropped two spots to number three. So don't go to Minneapolis, stay in King of Prussia, go shopping. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting, and I know we're trying to follow up with Simon to, uh, to get more details on that. The, the last one I wanted to mention on, I hope I don't steal your, your thunder here, Madam Chair, but I wanted to talk about Wednesday, okay? On Wednesday, we held the annual goals and objectives session between the board or the board with uh, the department heads. Uh, first, on behalf of the board, I think we want to commend the department heads and, and manager on the approach taken this year to look at the goals and objectives. For years, a traditional method had been used where uh, individual department heads would come in and they would show what they thought would be their hot buttons and what they would like and what might be needed to be funded, and they would create a laundry list. And from the laundry list, we would try and identify trends, we would try and identify uh, groupings of items and so on. This year, we spun that differently. We actually had a session of the board and identified the major topical areas that we wanted to have them consider. This is the first time we have had a strategic discussion in my 14 years on the board that actually led to longer-term considerations of what are the real problems, what are some of the solutions we have to implement, and are they codification issues, are they funding issues, are they personnel issues, are they sustainability issues, and how do we develop a multi-year plan to achieve solution of these problems as, as we go forward. So it's going to require us to take a harder look at planning, funding, and implementation of the different types of things we need to do to make Upper Marion one of the top communities in the state. And I know we get beat up a lot sometimes from, from individuals or groups uh, because they have their own opinions of, of Upper Marion. But I can assure you, having just come from some state meetings in the spring, having just come from some countywide meetings, that Upper Marion is far and away a better place than 90% of the communities in the state, 99% of the communities in the state, in how we are approaching tomorrow. We might not have everything in place, but we're getting there. And, uh, and tonight's uh, passage of the ordinance for single-use plastics is just another case. So um, just wanted to comment on that. I'm sure you'll have a couple of other comments, but I just was really pleased with the way we came out of that, that session. I was going to um, comment last, but I'll segue now from those comments that I was going to address the um, goals and objectives meetings that we had on Wednesday. Um, Vice Chair Genoway articulated that so well. They don't have too much more to add. But it, w it was a very collaborative discussion that we had with um, the department heads and appreciated their comments and the thought and time that they put into coming up with uh, the needs that they have for their, their different departments. And, um, uh, trying to move us forward uh, coming out of COVID and uh, staff, staff cutbacks and um, a halt on spending on some um, infrastructure items that uh, they really put some good thought into where we need to take ourselves and um, uh, and as, uh, as Vice Chair Genoway said, that we're, doing, we're, we're planning to do some strategic planning with not just looking at our, our annual budget, so not just planning for 2024, but planning for one year, three year, five years, so we can have a comprehensive look at where we want to be. And we know that our community is evolving right now, that uh, we don't know what the, for instance, the work from home scenario is going to um, end up being for our, our township, that um, there's that shift in the workforce. Um, Companies are starting to require uh, individuals to come back, so we're seeing uh, a typical three-day-a-week instead of the five-day-a-week. 
um, but not all companies have done that. So we have vacant buildings that are it's their headquarters for their operations, but um, vacant as far as the employees. So we're anticipating when long-term leases are coming to an end, 24, 20, 2025, um, what's going to happen to these buildings? They need to be repurposed somehow. Um, will they be selling buildings? Will they repurpose it for another use? So anticipating all those needs, our staff really um, took a hard look at where we need to be and how we can take care of the community and how we can be good stewards of taxpayer dollars uh, for our residents. And um, it was a solid, solid conversation and uh, very productive and uh, appreciated the time that went into that. Um, now I'll mention a fun thing that I wanted to announce um, uh, that this coming Saturday at our uh, farmer's market at Norview, we're going to have our annual Zucchini 500. Um, that will be, that the date is Saturday, uh, uh, July uh, 15th. For uh, registration for the event, if you haven't already signed up or still taking reservations, the sign-off cutoff will be the sign-up cutoff will be 10:15. And so if your children want to be involved in this, we have an age cutoff also. I believe uh, the oldest child is 12, if I think I'm correct. Um, we'll have decorations at the table that kids, kids can come decorate their zucchinis if they like, if they haven't done it at home. The decoration contest will begin at 1030. So um, if you want to have your zucchini racer judged, make sure that you have it uh, there at the market by 1030. The actual race begins at 11 a.m. Supervisor Kenny has four grandchildren that will be attending the and participating in the Zucchini 500. Hopefully next year a granddaughter can be involved. She's still a little bit too young, but hopefully next year she'll get her to the Zucchini 500. And uh, the, the racing participants will need to purchase your own zucchini, so bring that with you. Uh, they will, we will have two of our vendors that will be selling zucchinis at the market if you need to, to purchase one there. Um, uh, minimal cost for the zucchinis or, or discounting them for the um, for the children. Uh, we do have wheel kits to make your racer, and that'll be available at our information booth, and that's two dollars for uh, for the wheel kits. And there'll be uh, helpers there to help you um, construct your your racer if you need help with that. Uh, there's a participation cutoff of 40 participants. Um, I didn't. I don't know the latest number. I know we were in the 20 somewhere, but uh, every day we have more uh, participants coming forward. So our cutoff is at 40. Uh, we just don't have the capacity to do more than that. And I'll announce our official judges if he is still available. Um, Supervisor Phillips will be one of our judges. He's not judged before, I believe. I think this will be your first opportunity. Very excited to see all the zucchinis. It's it's a pretty cool deal. And, and, and the the inside story is I really don't like zucchini, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Well, they, they've been sacrificed to be racers. You don't right. have to eat them. Good. <laughs> and, and Madam Chair, I will make sure that I pass on my flak vest to him so that uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, so that whenever the the, uh, the individuals get a little upset about the judge's decision, uh, he'll be protected. And you can attest that we. We definitely need judges at this race because there's some close calls. There, there are some close calls, and, and it's photo finishes sometimes. <laughs> our other judge will be our uh, Parks and Rec Director, Dan Russell, and I will be the announcer for this event this year. Lots of fun, trophies and prizes for all the kids. Um, if you haven't come out to the farmer's market yet, this is an excellent opportunity. We have food trucks that are coming that day um, full, full of vendors. Uh, this is the vendor's favorite uh, uh, day for the season as well. So there'll be a lot of activity going on at the uh, farmer's market. So like I said, if you haven't come yet, this is a, a excellent opportunity to come. And that's the last of my... The
the new location? Oh, and if you don't know the location of the farmer's market, we have moved from the township building to Norview Farms. We are underneath a huge tent, and um, it has gone over very well. Uh, we've we've done a nice synergy with Petrucci's. Uh, they're, they're excited to have us there as well, and uh, the market is thriving. Brand new vendors have come forward because of the new location, and we're excited to just keep expanding the market. So, yes, Norvie Farms is where the uh, farmer's market is now located. Thank you for remembering that. And then I'll pass it down the line. No comments? Okay. Then I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. No? Do I have? Oh, public comment. Oh, I am so sorry. Oh, you have been waiting patiently, and I just almost dismissed you. Uh, is, there any, is there any additional comments from the public? Can you please come to the podium and identify yourself? And I, I apologize for that. that no, no. <laughs> okay. All right. My name is Janet Barcaro. I am a 36-year resident of Upper Marion, and I love it here. And before I go have a question, I want to thank Supervisor Kenny because you always answer my questions immediately. I have, I, I walk a lot, you can't tell, but I do walk a lot, and I've been finding holes in the streets that I'm concerned that could turn into sinkholes, and I contacted uh, uh, Ms. Supervisor Kenny several times, and she gets back to me immediately, and when I walk the next, you know, like a couple days later, I can see that there are lines there that someone has taken my my concern for the township and the people of the township seriously. I also want to thank Supervisor Walks for putting that oops, putting the list of um, projects uh, on online, and I always check because <laughs> because here we go. I am a yeah, the uh, the um, uh, member of the Belmont Hills, and Brownlee Road Bridge is right down the bottom of my street. And we have been very patient for four and a half years. I don't know if you've been there to see what it looks like, but it is very unsightly. I am sure it, is, it has been affecting possibly the property values of the homes that are there. It is also inconvenient for those of us who are out all the time. We cannot just go like to the farm quickly. We have to go all the way around. And you know, it, it is inconvenient, and it has been inconvenient. My concern is also for emergency vehicles because they cannot get to us quickly. They have to make a longer turn. I am concerned for the children in the area because it is an interesting place to hang out, you know, to look over the bridge, to throw things into the water and all that. Um, and I've noticed recently that the GPSs, when you put the GPS on your phone, it's still takes you there. It doesn't divert you all the way around. So that can cause problems for school buses, for, for deliveries, and all that. Um, also, the side of the wall, the side of the bridge, large boulders have fallen into the creek that's there. Now, I did not walk down this past heavy rain, but I can imagine that if it continues to tumble and crumble, that the water will be backing up into the homes that are there. So there's many, many reasons that I have been in contact with some supervisors over the last four years. Um, and I did see that it was supposed, that it is supposed to be fixed summer, fall, or fall, winter, sometime. 
my question is, I would like to know when. I would think that by this time, if it were approaching fall, that um, you must have contractors lined up, that by now you have, the money has been, from what I gather, this will be the second time the money has been allotted. Um, the first time COVID came and the money you know, went to other things. I know that there has already been, already been an EPA uh, assessment done. And now I just would like to know when this is scheduled. Because it has just, you know, it's four, almost you know, four and a half, five years now. And all the other sinkholes in the township have been filled. And even the new development that you're talking about off of Bidler Road, they had a sinkhole in uh, on Bidler Road right near there the same time that our bridge went out. And of course that is more populated, the road is more populated, people use that more than our little community. But it got fixed and ours has not. Do you want me to take that? Thank you very much for uh, your question. At this point, we anticipate two pieces of this. One, as you know, we received some grant funding for the bridge. So that the agreements for that grant funding uh, were approved by PennDOT. So at this point, uh, we are advertising the project. Um, we hope to make a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors toward the project end of August, September, with the, the completion of the project to be done by the end of the year. So that's our time frame right now. So Barring any delays in material or anything like that uh, should be completed by the end of the year. But the money has already been set aside? Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, plans have been approved. Contractors the, the have been contracted. Contractors, contract, since it's a large project, the township has to bid uh, the project through a competitive bidding process. So we are finalizing the bid specs with our engineer. So it'll go out to bid uh, very shortly with the hopes that we can make a recommendation to the board at their August or, as, or at the latest, the September meeting to award the project. Once that award is done, it usually takes about three weeks or so to get all the paperwork involved, the contractor ordering materials, um, and then the bridge to be constructed uh, by the end of the year and the road uh, reestablished. Yeah. I don't know, but that timeline, that does not sound... If you don't have the contractors ready, how do you know that they're going to be able to complete it then? How do you know that they don't that, have other jobs already lined up and once again, we will be on to another... Sure. This year. And part of our bid will have those uh, schedules uh, in place. Right. So we are going to bid this with the anticipation that it will be done, I say, December 31st. So any contractor bidding on this project will have that schedule and have to, to, to meet those requirements. So if, if you have six jobs lined up, you're probably not going to bid on that project for us. I don't know. It doesn't sound all that pro to me. To me, my opinion only. I think I've been around. I've heard this. Been there, done that, and I've heard that. And we have just not. We're just not getting the bridge fixed. Mm -hmm. I, I. And and now I'm not going to go down that road. But um, I've heard some rumors about people that don't want it done because they would like to. They would like to have a cul-de-sac there instead of a. So I'm not. 
but I do know that we are frustrated. I don't know if you have any of the supervisors have been down to see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is horrible. How would you like to live right there and have to look at those big signs and barriers for five years, for almost five years? I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask. And I'm just thankful that no children have gotten hurt, that, you know, that people haven't had problems with emergency crews, you know, can't get there in time to take care of them. Um, you know, it is a concern. And I know that it's not a very busy road, but for those of us who pay our taxes, and loved King of Prussia and, and Upper Marion. And we, we would just like to see something get done for us because we have been so patient for four and a half years, more so than any other part of the township. So I would hope that. Yep. I would hope. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be, I will keep track. But uh, we would like to have it finished. I will acknowledge that we have not ignored Brownlee Road and the bridge, that, and you have been overly patient beyond, beyond the scope of patience. And exactly, and appreciate your concerns. And you are correct with your you didn't want to go make that comment, but there are a few families that are enjoying not having that road as a th yeah. thoroughfare. But that is in no, no means why we are holding. Yes. Yes. And I think some of the, what you may have heard about being a cul-de-sac, I think, was sort of a joke. Uh, yes, they are enjoying not having cars on their street, but I think yeah. it was actually more of like a, a joke. Okay. That's my guess from you. But just to know that it is flying through the neighborhood. I mean, people know, because they told me, and I said, well, I'm going to the meeting, Nobody has approached the township about turning that into a cul-de-sac, at least not to my knowledge, <laughs> nor has there been happen. any discussion or consideration or anything else along those lines, yeah. at least not to my knowledge. And I would say, too, I heard those rumors that some people were happy that it was not a through road and, and the traffic was less, so they were happy that people weren't cutting through there as a through road to the other side of Bidler. But, but regardless of whether people like it like this or don't like it like this, we're going to fix it one way or the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. 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 That's a Capital expenditure project. and yeah. the yeah. township did receive grant funding that can only be used for this project. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I would just say to you, make sure you're keeping, uh, paying attention to the August meeting or the September, September meeting. meeting yeah. This is a government project. Government projects never move fast. They're, they're slower than molasses, but there is a structure to them. Now that we have the money in hand, the contract bidding will start at a certain date and you'll see that reflected either in August or September. So, well, no, so it's been under construction design uh, we've had our engineers doing their thing uh, in terms of designing that project to meet PennDOT specs. It ha has to have been reviewed yes, by PennDOT and as well. Yes, PennDOT has to review, and so yeah. does DEP. Yeah. So, and we actually added stormwater work to it. So the project just wasn't, isn't going to be just the bridge. We've actually are doing some downstream work. Right. So it, it kind of got bigger and, what I'll say, better. Um, so, and Supervisor Phillips is right. Um, 
there's, there's a structure to everything, and we can't advertise until PennDOT uh, and DP approve, giving us permission to do that. Um, and then we have to follow the, the legal procedure to, do, to, to advertise and to, and PennDOT has approved it and signed all our grant agreements, so yes. Yeah. And just so, just so our public knows, when did they do that? When will, when will we get the approval? Uh, the, the grant, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they signed the grant agreement on June 23rd. Okay. So yeah. it, it's, so when you say, and I, and I get the, I get the uh, perception, you know, hasn't that already been done? It, it's actually just being done. So yeah. we're, we're kind of moving. We had, we had money for a lot of projects prior to COVID, and COVID essentially destroyed our budget. But they, this was not grant funding. This is completely and totally separate. Yeah. But as I was thinking, if you had the money already approved before COVID, and you, you, know, you spent it, then we, you wouldn't have to go through all of that again to approve it. Oh, sorry. You wouldn't have to... You wouldn't have to go through all that again because it had been approved. It's just raising, you know, gathering the money. Uh, unfortunately, that's not how PennDOT <laughs> and DEP work. So if you make a change, it has to go back for review. And it, it is a very long and tedious process. It seems to be. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for enlightening so, me because so, I so, did not know. So it's, so it's kind of like the Church Road Bridge? The what? The Church Road Bridge. Okay. That, that has been out for almost a year or two. Two. Uh, and the design for that was underway for essentially about five to ten years yeah. before we could actually get it to bid. And then the delays on the construction had to do with government approvals. So hopefully this one's not going to be as disastrous as that yeah. one was because we can kind of control a little bit yeah. more. The only people we're dealing with is Bend on DP, yeah. and it's our bridge, as I understand. Right. So, and we've you know, jump the PennDOT and DEP hurdle, so now it's us, so. Okay, okay, well, thank you. I thank you for enlightening me, and I look forward to having our bridge by the end of the year. Thank you. And thank you for coming and addressing this. Anything else from the public? Any additional public comment? No? Hearing and seeing none? Now we are in a position. Oh, motion to adjourn. I'll second. Second. Third. <laughs> All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion carries. We are adjourned.